If you have a Bible with you this morning, I'm going to invite you to uh, turn to John chapter 15. We're going to look at verses 1 through 11 this morning together. John 15, 1 through 11. We're going to talk about um, what it means for Jesus to be the true vine. When Jesus says, I am the true vine, what does that mean? And then what does it mean for us? Um, what does it mean for, for you and I? So we're going to, we're going to talk about that together um, this morning. And, you know, as we look at this text together, this passage of Scripture, and this, there's a couple of things about the context that, I, that I'd just like for us to think about for just a moment. Um, oh, by the way, just a little aside, um, I will ask questions during this message, and in most cases, I will expect you to answer my questions. Okay, So um, I will let you know when it's one of those rhetorical questions that you don't have to answer, or it's one of those that I just want you to answer, you know, like in your heart or whatever. I'll, I'll say, this is one you don't have to answer out loud. So, just going to say that. Now, this is one where I want you to answer out loud. Okay? So, what's going on in Jesus' life in John 15? Does anybody know? Pardon me? He's about to die. That's right. He's about to die. This is... John 15 is, is some of Jesus' last words before his arrest and trial and crucifixion. So this is some of his last words with his disciples. Um, Jesus has, you know, around 24 hours left, you know, um, at, at this point in John 15. So I, I think that that adds something. To the context of these words, I'm not going to say, I would not suggest that this makes these words any more important because I, I, I don't think Jesus ever spoke an idle word. I don't think Jesus ever spoke a word that was less important. But I do think maybe this gives some urgency to his words. I mean, think about it. This is another one of those questions where I expect you to answer out loud. This is the last time I'm going to tell you that, by the way. Okay? Is that cool? All right. Yeah, so... If you knew that you had less than 24 hours to live, what would you say and who would you say it to? Don't everybody speak at once. Tell your family you love them. Okay, so you tell your family that you love them. Thanks, Keith. Somebody else? If you had less than 24 hours to live, what would you say and who would you say it to? You tell your family about Christ. Okay, thank you. And what were you about to say? Okay, so you'd want to make all those relationships right and make apologies if you owed an apology. Okay. Anybody else? Okay, all right. Anybody else? <laughs> Thank you, Susan. Yeah. And I, I bet to some of you that is probably a confusing thing. So you can ask Susan about that later after after the first. But thank you. Yeah. Um, well, that's exactly the position that Jesus is in. This is this is the context for Christ. He he is about to die. He knows that's coming. And we could go back 
We can go back to John 13, and John 13 begins something like this. It was just before the Passover feast, and Jesus knew the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. So it's clear, Jesus knew this was coming. He knew that the time had come for him to die. And that's the context of his words in John 15. I hope that adds some urgency to the way we look at this passage this morning. So if you have your Bible open to John 15, beginning in verse 1, let's look at that together. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. The, the disciples, the original hearers of these words, the, 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 the twelve, probably by this time eleven, disciples. They're the original hearers of these words. And as Jesus says this to them, there are three things, at least three things, that they would have in their mind. Okay, the first is this. Grapevine. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. So that right there is what they would have in their mind. Uh, A grapevine in a vineyard full of, you know, Ripe with grapes, bunches and bunches of grapes. So that's why that picture's up there, uh, to keep that in our minds, just as it was in the minds of the disciples as Jesus talked about vine and branches. But there's something else that they would have in their mind. They would also have in their mind some passages of Scripture from the Old Testament, especially in Isaiah, where God talks about Israel as a vine. God still talks about himself as the owner of the vineyard, or the vine dresser, or the one who takes care of the vineyard. And Israel is the vine. And in, the, in those Old Testament passages, here's how it would work. God would be talking through the prophet Isaiah about, you know, I have a vineyard, and I did this, and I did, I took care of it, and I, I, I cared for it, and I watered it, and all that. And all it produced for me was wild grapes. Um, has anybody tasted a wild grape? It'll make you pucker, okay? It is like it's so sour. It's pretty much unless you have also sugar, a sugar plantation next to your wild grapes. It's not fit for anything, okay? It's it's no good. It's useless fruit. 
And then, so then God proclaims, I'm going to remove the hedge and I'm going to let the briars, I'm going to quit, you know, taking out the briars. In other words, that's it. I'm done with this vineyard. That, that's God's proclaiming his judgment upon Israel for not producing the kind of fruit that he purposed and desired for them to produce in their relationship with him. So they've got that in their mind because these these disciples, these Christ followers are good Jews who know the Old Testament. They've heard the Old Testament scriptures. So they know this imagery of vine and branches and vineyard and fruit because they've heard it before, because God's used it before. So that's also in their mind. And then the third thing that's in their mind is this incredible, shocking statement that Jesus makes when he says, I am. That's the shocking part. Because, again, if we go back to the Old Testament, back to the book of Exodus, when, when God is calling out Moses to be the one to go deliver the people of Israel from their slavery in Egypt, and, and of course, you know, God says, I want you to do this, that, and Moses is like, I can't do it, I can't talk. I mean, Moses has got every excuse in the book. And then finally, Moses says, what if I go to the people and I tell them that you sent me and they, and they say, well, we don't know who you're talking about. What's his name? What will I say? And then God gives to Moses his name, God's personal name. And it's I am. I am that I am. And then from that point forward, good Jews would never speak that name. Because they were afraid of taking the Lord's name in vain, one of the Ten Commandments. So they wouldn't even speak it. So for Jesus to say, I am the true vine. To a Jew that heard that, they would either think, this person has lost their mind. This person is a blasphemer. Or, this person's God. Jesus is claiming to be God. So those are the three, at least three things that are going on in the disciples' minds when they hear Jesus say, I am the true vine. They're thinking about those Old Testament imagery of vines and branches and grapes. But they're also thinking of what they see. They're thinking of this, I mean, an actual vineyard with grape vines and grapes. And they're also thinking about Jesus saying, I am. I am the true vine. One of the seven I am statements in the book of John. And then so Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Okay, so God the Father is the one who takes care of the vineyard, takes care of Christ and the branches that are connected to him. And God the vine dresser does two things with, those, with the branches. First, he gathers the branches that do not bear fruit. He gathers them up, gets rid of them. Throws them to the side. And then, here's what God the Father, the vine dresser, does to the branches that do bear fruit. He prunes them. Okay? Do you kind of see a pattern there? You know? Either you're bearing fruit and you're pruned, or you're not bearing fruit and you don't belong. Those are essentially the choices. Because... We don't have to go very far into this imagery to know that Jesus is the vine, because he says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser, and every branch of me that does not you know, bear fruit, he removes, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes for the purpose of it bearing more fruit. And then, you know, I'm the vine, you're the branches. 
So Jesus is saying to the disciples, the fo- his followers, you guys are the branches. So this morning, if you're here as a follower of Christ, then you're a branch and Jesus is the vine. That's the relationship that you have with Christ. He's the vine, you're the branch, and here is God's purpose in that. That you would bear fruit. We don't have to read very far into this passage of Scripture to find out that God's purpose in this vineyard, this vine and these branches, is that the branches would bear fruit. Just like that. Oh, look at those, all those grapes on the vine. That's what, God's, that's what God wants. That's His purpose in, in, in this whole vineyard, vine and branches. That they would bear fruit. You know, and, and it's God, the ones that don't bear fruit, don't belong. They're not, they're not really branches. They can't be. We're going to get to that in a minute. They can't be branches. So they're, they're not true branches. They're, they're thrown away. But those branches that do bear fruit, he prunes them. He removes that which hinders bearing fruit. You know, if you've got um, plants, trees, vines that bear fruit, um, the reason you prune them is because energy from that plant or that tree goes into making leaves and making branches, but what you really want that energy to go into is making fruit, right? I mean, if, if, if you don't have as many leaves and stuff, you'll get more grapes, okay? So that's why you cut that stuff off. I mean, there's got to be enough to, because, you know, leaves are, is there botanists and, you know, the whole, that whole, you know, photosynthesis and light, sunlight and green stuff, you know, but that's how, I don't know. I, that was like sixth grade or something like that, and I'm a long way from sixth grade. Okay, All right? But yeah, I mean, that, that's that, you know, there's got to be enough leaves and branches to make the thing go, make it work, make it live, but not too many, or there'll be more energy going into the leaves and branches and not making the fruit. So that's what God does. Those things in our lives that get in the way, that take our energy away from bearing fruit, God removes those. That's God's plan, purpose. And ministry in our lives in this whole area of fulfilling his purpose of bearing fruit. And of course, bearing fruit, you know, I'm not, I don't know that I could just, you know, give you the, this perfect example of what bearing fruit is or a perfect definition, but I know it's at least a couple of things. I know it is, it is usefulness in building God's kingdom. I know that's, I know that's part of what bearing fruit means. When you and I are useful in building God's kingdom, in advancing the kingdom of God, then that is bearing fruit. I also know that when our lives are a benefit to the lives of others, that is bearing fruit. So that, and those are at least two things that I know. I mean, we could also look in Scripture and see that also a changed life. When our life changes because of Christ and we begin to exhibit Christ-like behavior and things like the fruit of the Spirit, that also is a form of bearing fruit. So, you know, a life change in us, becoming more like Christ, when our lives benefit the lives of others and we are useful to the building of God's kingdom, then we're bearing fruit, which is God's purpose. And so God does what He needs to do to see to it that we bear fruit. And here's the deal, sometimes it's a painful process called pruning. Painful pr- I didn't mean for that to alliterate. That was serendipitous. <laughs> you know, have you ever been pruned by God? Yes, who hasn't? Yes. 
Would anybody just want to share a brief example? Because this is the sermon. This is my time. But anybody just want to share a brief example of being pruned by God? It's okay if you don't. You know, for me, the way that God most often prunes me is through His Word, through the Scriptures. As I as I read and study the Scriptures, which are, according to Second Timothy three sixteen, profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. You know, I, I can't say how many times that I, you know, I'll be reading the Scripture and I'll be reproved, and and that means told I'm wrong, and then corrected, showed the right way to behave, and and. And that's the pruning process because it usually involves me leaving something behind. Maybe it's an attitude that I held that was wrong or a behavior that was part of my life that needed to stop. You know, and I'll be honest, there is one area that God continues to prune and I just keep letting it grow back. And it's, you know, it's my speech. Um, because the scripture tells me to let no unwholesome speech come out of my mouth. And that part's not so bad, but then here's the hard part. But speak only that which is useful for building up, so that all who hear might receive grace. You know, because um, I, I have the unspiritual gift of sarcasm, you know, and, and, um, and I, sometimes not, I sometimes enjoy... And it's sad that I enjoy this, um, you know, and I, hopefully I mean it as a joke, but, you know, dissing somebody really good, you know, is, is that diss, is that the right word? Because when I said that, people giggled. So is, is, is diss the right word? Okay, all right, good. I want to make sure I got it right. Okay. Yeah, you know, but you just want to, <laughs> you really thought that was funny. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, you know I just, you know, I, I just cut them down. Just take their knees out, whack, you know, with a sharp, sarcastic zinger. You know? But you know what? There's no clause in it that says, but it's okay if you're only joking. It's not there. It, there isn't, it doesn't say, speak only, which that, speak only that which is useful for the building up, so that all who hear may receive grace, unless you're joking. In fact, we go a little bit further in the same next chapter, same book, and it says, avoid coarse joking. Which I'm sure the sarcastic zinger, the diss, because um, you all think it's funny when I say that word. Uh, I think that fits in that category, of course, just so that there's an example of God's word, God the Father pruning me. So that I might bear more fruit. And, you know, here's the sad thing, he's just got to constantly do it. Because that's an area, that's an area of weakness in my life that keeps coming back. And there's probably several of you in here who are now taking, ah, I don't know, because Jim zinged me a few times, and you're going to write that down, you're going to remind me of that later. It's like, remember that sermon you preached? Oh. Actually, I want you to do that. I really do. Because ultimately, I want that area to be, I want that to be a branch that doesn't keep growing back and hindering the bearing of fruit. That's, that's sort of an example in my life of God pruning. And remember, the whole reason that God prunes is so that we can fulfill the purpose of bearing fruit. And then, let's get to what it means for Jesus to be the true vine. Because that's really what this passage is about. I mean, yes, there are implications. One is bearing fruit. You know, uh, uh, another is powerful praying. 
You know, in, in, in John 15, Jesus talks about, you know, asking whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Man, that's powerful praying. Wouldn't you like to be able to, like, anytime I ask God for something, boom, he gives it. Ask whatever I wish and it will be done for you. Okay? So there's some powerful praying involved in there. And then joy. Jesus said this whole vine and branches thing, part of the reason that you're, I'm the vine and you're the branches is so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So, you know, having completed the completed joy of Christ in us. I mean, that's all part of this vine and branches thing. But still, is that what it means for Jesus to be the true vine? No. I don't think so. When Jesus says, I am the true vine, my Father is the vine dresser. He gets and he says that every branch needs to abide in me. In other words, the reason that Jesus is the true vine is that he himself is the source of life and of power, of usefulness in in God's kingdom. That whole bearing fruit, that's possible because Jesus is the source of that kind of power. He says in verse 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If anyone abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. See, Jesus is the true vine because he is the the source, the life-giving, powerful living, powerful praying, fruit-bearing, joy source. And therefore, we got to be connected to Him. But not just connected, not some kind of loose connection, but abide. You know, and, and abide is, is that live in, rely on, cling to, like your life depends on it kind of relationship. Is Benny in here? Benny is in here? Hey, nope. Because I wanted to use him for an illustration. That is too bad. Okay, so um, that's, is, is, he, is he just right outside the door? If he's not just right outside, the, you don't have to go all the way down there and get him. It's okay. I mean, just, I, well, we're just waiting momentarily for Benny because I want to use Benny for an illustration because he'd be really good for this. I, I want to illustrate abide. Okay, it, it just it, visually, you know. Because obviously you see the vine, the branches connected to the vine, and and, and, and and you probably understand in in a somewhat abstract way, unless you're, in, am I, is it true there are no botanists in here, no botany people, right? There's in biology though, which is close, but yeah, anyway. So, he's coming? Sweet. He'll need this chair. But yeah, you know, this branch and vine imagery, for you and I, if we're not... Hey, Benny, come up here. I need your help with the sermon. Hurry up. Can you help me with the sermon? You okay? Okay, first thing I need you to do is stand on this chair, okay? All right, so I'm going to put you up here on the chair. Just stand there. Be careful. Don't move around. Okay, all right. So I want to illustrate in a way that hopefully you'll understand what it means to abide, okay? I'm the branch and Benny's the vine, okay? This is abide. All right, thanks, Benny. Appreciate it, buddy. <laughs> I mean, it's to hold on to and cling to, and it's like your life depends on it. Because your life does depend on it. 
That's, that's why abide means to live in, cling to, rely on, trust in, like your life depends on it. Because your life does depend on it. Because there is no life apart from abiding in Christ. That's the key. That's the thing. That's the main point. Jesus is your life. And apart from Him, there is no life. Apart from Him, the branch withers and dies and is thrown into the fire and burned up. And that's two really sad things. One, it's just the absence of life. It's just, it's just showing that without Christ, there is no real living, there is no real life, and all we have to look forward to is death. And then there's the burning in the fire part. That's the eternal justice, the just, righteous punishment for not being connected to Christ. So, God's wrath and eternal punishment, and before that, withering and dying. Those are the things that we have to look forward to without Christ separated from Him. So, yeah, we, we grab with both arms and hug and wrap our legs around and, and just cling to Jesus. Because He is the source of everything. He said, apart from me... You can do nothing. Now, if you, if you abide in me if you, and, and I in you, you're going to bear much fruit. If, if, you, if you abide in me my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You know, If you abide in me, then you'll love me and you'll keep my commandments. Just I have abided in my Father and kept his commandments and then my joy will be in you and your joy will be complete. All those things that this, this passage talk about, bearing fruit and, and, and powerful praying and, and, com- and complete completed joy, those are all possible. In fact, those are all realities when we truly abide in Christ, cling to Him, hold on to Him, trust in Him, rely upon Him. In fact, if we read this passage of Scripture, and I have to be honest, there are times I looked at it this way, if we read this passage of Scripture and we say, oh, my goal needs to be to bear fruit. And here's what's going to happen. If your goal is to bear fruit, the best that you can hope for is that you will accomplish what your idea of fruit bearing is in your strength alone. You know what that's going to be? Wild grapes. That's what that's going to be. And, and, and if you think, well, you know, I, I want to be a, I want to be a powerful prayer. My goal is going to be a powerful prayer. You know what you'll accomplish? Your idea of what powerful praying is in your own strength. And, and, and if your goal is to have joy, is that, was that joy, joyous, joyful? You know, if your goal is to have joy, you know what you'll accomplish? Your sad idea of what joy is. That's what you'll accomplish. If the goal is anything but abiding in Christ, because that's the key, that's the thing that holds all this together. When, it's, when Jesus says, I am the true vine, the thing, we ought to, the thing we ought to think of is abide in Him. Abide in Him. Cling to Him. Rely upon Him. Live in Him. That's the thing we must, that's, that's the thing I want to come to your mind. When Jesus says, I am the true vine, it's like, He's the one i got to cling to. 
He's the one I have to abide in. That needs to be what my life is about. My life needs to be about clinging to Him, living in Him, relying upon Him. Because that's what it means for Jesus to be the true vine. You want to be a you want to be a powerful prayer? Abide in Christ. You want to be a bearer of fruit for God's kingdom? Abide in Christ. Do you want to have completed joy? You want to have the joy of Christ in you? Abide in Him. Cling to Him. In, in, a, in a moment, I'm going to pray. Then after we pray, we're going to have sort of an extended time of, of worship. Um, we're going to sing more songs here at the club, you know, after the message than we did before. And that was real intentional. Because there are two things, at least two things, that I hope you'll leave here with this morning. The first is inspiration to worship Christ because he's the source of everything. Because he's the true vine, the one who gives you and I life. That there is no life apart from Him. Man, that ought, to, that ought to inspire and evoke something in us, right? Yes. I mean, that, so one of the things I hope you leave with is just this compulsion to worship Christ, who is the true vine, the source of life and power and joy and powerful praying and fruit bearing. And then also, um, one of the things I hope you leave here with this morning is a desire to abide in Christ. Because here's the other side of all of this. Here's kind of the negative side. If you look at your life and there's no abundance of fruit, you know what that means? You're probably not abiding in Christ. If you look at your life and say, where's this powerful praying? Where's this powerful prayer life? If that powerful prayer life is absent, you know what? You're probably not abiding in Christ. And if, you, if it's just not that joy, and don't confuse joy with happiness. Okay, just let me say that real, right now real quick. Don't confuse joy with happiness. Because happiness is kind of dependent on our circumstances. Okay, what's going on around us, but joy. Actually, I gave a definition of joy to someone in this room somewhat recently. Does that person remember? I'm not, see, if that person remains silent, then you don't know who I'm picking on. Okay, yeah, um, actually, I don't know that I remember either. <laughs> no, it was something like this. A, a deep, abiding satisfaction because of whose you are. That, this deep, abiding soul satisfaction because of Christ. Because we belong to Him. That's joy. Happiness is, I feel good about my current circumstances. Or, my current circumstances are bad, so I feel bad about them. But you can have bad circumstances, some unhappiness, but continue in joy. Because still, you have this lifelong, eternity-long, deep soul satisfaction because of Christ. So, you know... Do you want to live with that kind of joy? Abide in Christ. But if you're not living with that kind of joy, you're probably not abiding in Christ. So I hope that as you leave here today, there's a desire and a commitment for you to abide in Christ. Maybe you're here this morning in this whole abiding in Christ and, and, and being connected to Him. Maybe that's kind of a mystery to you. 
Maybe that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you, but you want it. <laughs> it's like, I'd love to have that, but I'm not sure what all that means. Well, you know, probably the first step for you is to, to put your faith in Christ and to receive Him as Savior. To, to commit yourself to Him. And, and if that's something that you'd like to pursue further, I, I hope that you'll come and talk to me when we're done this morning. I'd be happy to talk to you about that. Or, or maybe, you know, or, or maybe Chet, who's actually in the nursery, so that might be hard to do that. So, you know, or, you know, Caleb. Come, talk to Caleb about that. I mean, we would love to talk with you about what that looks like in your life. Okay? Hey, I'm going to ask you guys just to uh, bow your heads and uh, pray with me. Heavenly Father, uh, I thank you that Jesus is the true vine. God, may we worship and honor and praise Him because He is our life. He is the source of life and power and powerful praying and fruit bearing and joy. And apart from Him, we can do nothing. And God, may we be men and women who Abide in, live in, cling to, rely on, trust in Christ for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.